During this holiday season, I wonder if you've uh, ever taken the thought of just thinking to yourself just how fortunate you are or how fortunate I am. I realize maybe some of you are in, in positions in your life where maybe it's cycling down a little bit, things aren't maybe as, as good as maybe they've been in years past, but yet uh, to, to live in the country we do, I believe when you look through all of that, when you get beyond the facade, I, I really feel like we are very fortunate people. We're only about 4 to 5% of, of the world's population, and yet somehow we have been graced to be able to live in this country. Even with all its problems, even if with its, all its issues, even with things that we'd love to change, uh, there's still a pride about being an American. There's still something that's very fortunate about being in a land of opportunity where we have the ability to better our circumstances through hard work and freedom and things like that. But even beyond that, even beyond being an American, I, I wonder sometimes if you ever think to yourself how fortunate you are to be a follower of, of Jesus Christ, to be a person who lives with the knowledge, with the understanding of who Christ is to you, what he has done for you, and how you are now rightly reconciled with God the Father. I mean, when you think back 2,000 years ago where all this started and the transmission of, of salvation and the transmission of this idea of, of reconciliation with God and the fact that over the course of thousands of years and millions and billions of people, yet here you are today, 2012, living as a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, who claims to the promises that God holds. It's just fascinating to me to think how that, out of all the people, this is who I am. This is what God has granted me by his grace. To be a follower, a person who has heard the message of Jesus Christ, who understands it, who has accepted it. Jude, who uh, was a writer in the New Testament, was very familiar with this. And, and Tom kind of alluded to this idea of how he was very, very, uh, he was very, very moved with us, this idea of salvation, of making salvation transmitted along the lines through the church until it became to the people in a correct way. Now, if you've been with us for the past 50-some weeks, you realize we are in the second-to-last book of the Bible one of the shortest books, but yet one of the most overlooked books, the book of Jude, the book of Jude. And when you heard about Jude, I'm sure most of you just started thinking about a Beatles song rather than the writer in the book of Jude. But yet if you were to read this book, which is a very short book, it's almost very, very dark, very overwhelming. Because what was taking place is that the church was just getting on its feet, it was being developed. And there were some false teachers that had kind of taken root a little bit, and, and Jude was trying to weed them out. He was trying to get the church set on the correct course so that salvation in its purest form, the message of Jesus Christ, could stand for what it really was and flow through decades and millennia so that we who are here in 2012 can sit back and realize what a gift God has given to us. So the first part of this book, if you were to read it, the first 20 or so verses, is just very, very much trying to identify these false teachers. But then when you get into the latter books, into the 20s of the verses, we kind of get a transition to where there's some real encouragement that I feel is very close to where we are. 
Because for me, what, what Jude does is he takes all of this transmission talk, all of this idea of taking salvation and passing it on, and he, he condenses it down so that we really get a really short but yet understandable and practical idea on what it means for us to take the message of Jesus Christ that we enjoy and to give it away to someone else. So let me just read for you. If you want to open your Bibles, you can open to the book of Jude. I'll say the chapter, but there's only one chapter. So just open to the book of Jude. And we're going to put these verses on the screen from Jude. And this is Jude chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. And he's talking to this church here. And and you can kind of think of it as yourselves. He says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Be merciful to those those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corruptible flesh. Now, let me just break this down real quick, real few minutes. Let me just talk about what Jude is trying to get across to us. And it's kind of just breaking up, broken up into two, two, two parts. This is how we transmit this faith from us that we have enjoyed to other people. But he starts off, he talks about who we are personally, the kind of people that we are that are able to transmit this, this, this faith. And he just basically gives us basically three things that we need to do. First of all, he talks about us living holy or living a life that is holy, now, these are going to kind of, kind of sound spiritual to you, because when you, when you hear the word holy, automatically it raises spiritual tones, and some of you are hearing angelic voices right now, because the word holy automatically gives us almost this, this, this out-of-reality sense of holiness. But the word holy, if you want to write a, a practical word next to it, you can just write the word different. Just different. This is what Jude is referring to, just a life that is different. He's saying to his writers, in order for us to transmit this faith, first of all, you just got to live a life that is different. Now, what does he mean by different? Well, growing up for me, a life of different, where the kind of spirituality that I grew up, it was that you just kind of look different. You just kind of were different. I often look back at it as we were just kind of weird, but it was just kind of different. Because it was all of this outward stuff. You just, you dress differently. You, you, You don't do certain things that everybody else does. But, but more importantly, the living holy was just that we are living out of the revelation that God has given to us in his word. Now, there's a lot of things that this can attribute to. But for us, I think probably one of the biggest is where people see us living differently is how we handle relational conflicts, how we handle our, 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 um, the way we approach worldly things. I think there's a real strong case to be made for when people look at us who are in our circle of influence and they, say, uh, they see a person whose life is holy, a person who is different when it comes to dealing with relational conflicts, that raises up awareness to, hey, something is different. The fact that when they look at you and you see that there is a breakdown relationally, that you just don't start into the attack mode, but you're willing to talk through things. You're willing to walk through things. You're willing to understand. You're willing to submit. You're willing to provide mercy. In marital relationships as well, people who see you act differently. It's also in case in the way that we just function, the way we have, the way we love different things, the way that we are not driven by greed. We're not driven by these things. 
And so what Jude is saying, listen, part of it is just being different, living a holy life. But he goes on and he says, also, there's a life of prayer, praying. If you want to put a word next to this, you can put the word dependent, dependent. A lot of times people get the idea that prayer life is about a wish list, as though God is up in heaven sitting on his throne with a red suit and a big uh, beard on. And we as Christians bring our list to him and we say, all right, God, this is what I'd like for today. Boom, 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 boom. And then it doesn't happen, so we automatically think, well, something's wrong. Something's wrong, and we'll, we'll just move on. But the core of prayer for us as followers of Jesus Christ is not just about getting things. The core of prayer life is about us becoming more dependent upon God to where we align and we begin our, to align ourselves with who God is. We begin to align ourselves with the way he wants us to think. The more we relate with him, the more we talk with him, we align ourselves. And when the world sees this, when people around us see that there is a dependence that goes beyond simply, I've got to make it happen, I've got to make it happen. No, there is a dependence upon God through prayer. It's who we are personally. The third thing he gives us is he says this. He says not only is this, but it's also a sense where we live in the love of God with an idea of an expectant attitude towards the future. Where we're patient, we become patient because we know at one point, God will set things right. God will set things right. I try to teach my kids this um, in, in much shorter realms, and I'm sure you do too, where they get so upset about something. They get so upset. It's just in the moment, they get so upset. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, time out. Look at the big picture of things. Look at how it's broader. This may be a short element right now that's happening to you, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. For us personally, the more we live a life where we are expectant of the return of Jesus Christ, knowing that at one day he will make all of the wrongs right, people see that. People understand that. They see something, something is different. Now, Bill Hybels has a way of, of talking about this. Jesus talked about, about our, our ability to transmit the scriptures by calling us salt. Salt. And Bill Hybels took it to kind of give us a better idea. He says, it's first of all, it has to do with your potency. So if you want to take all those three things that you just wrote down, living holy, prayer, and being patient, just circle them all and put the word potency. Potency. Salt, when you add it to food, is potent. It gives it flavor. And what Jude is starting off by saying, hey, listen, if you want to really make a difference in the lives of men and women who don't know about what you know when it comes to Jesus Christ, the first thing is you need to look at yourself and you need to live a life that is potent, that is, that is living holy, that is very much a sense of where you, 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 you realize that there is an expectant attitude, there is a patience, and that you pray. But beyond the potency, the next two you can circle, you can put there proximity. Proximity. Because salt, in order for it to be effective, has to be potent, but it also has to be on your food. It's got to be close. It's got to make a difference. So now Jude makes the switch from talking about who you are personally. Now he moves it into what you do outwardly. How do you deal then with people? How do you go into a realm where you are now making a difference? Well, he gives us two things in, we, in the scripture that we read. And I'll just, I'll just kind of mention them to you. First one he says is, first of all, you need to be merciful. You need to be merciful. Be merciful in the sense that God is trying to give you the ability 
to show mercy to people who probably at any given moment may or may not deserve it. Mercy for us is really pulling away from the things that we want to really lash out at and extending the love of God to them. In order for us to really make a difference in the lives of men and women, this has got to be something that we are engaged in with our friends, our family, our coworkers. The idea that we are merciful to people, that we do not react, that we do not just jump down throats, that we do just not jump to judging, but we are merciful. And the second thing he gives is he says, also, you just need to, you need to save them. And he really uses some very, very vivid terms where he says, you need to snatch them out of the flames. Snatch him out of the flames. There is a level of boldness here that Jude is trying to get across. The seriousness of what is at stake. When he talks about, we need to have in our mind a sense of saving people. A sense of really getting out there. And really snatching them from the flames. So here we have this. We have this idea of what Jude is saying. He's talking about this transmission of the gospel, keeping it pure, the salvation. And he says the way that you're going to do this is that you need to be potent, first of all. There needs to be a sense where you are coming to the table with a person who is holy, who is prayerful, who is expectant of the return of Christ. Now, why is this so important? Well, let, let, me, kind of, let me kind of give you like a little example. If we just go into the proximity mode and we just say, we're just going to tell people about Jesus, but we have nothing to do with our own lives, it just, there's just something that doesn't mesh. Years ago, I, 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 I decided to join a gym. And a couple weeks ago, Kurt showed you the picture of what was happening while I was in the gym. Yeah, things have changed over the years. So I, jo- I, I joined this gym. This is years ago before kids, and you know, I had these ideas of grandeur, and then I thought, this is a lot of work. Uh, so... I'm in the gym, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of getting my feel around, you know, going over to the bench, and, you know, this bar is pretty heavy, and just trying to get a feel for what in the world I'm doing there. And these, these gyms, and this is, a, this is an old gym's closed down, so I don't, I don't think I'm really talking about anybody here, but they, they highlighted the fact that in this particular gym, they had personal trainers, which were available for your hire. And I thought, well, this is good. You know, I, I, I basically could use some personal training when it comes to my, uh, you know, my physique. So I'm looking around, and I see, this, I see this, this personal trainer. And I'm thinking, I don't know. Because I'm thinking, if I do what he tells me to do, am I really going to look like him? Now, nothing against him, but the fact was, I'm thinking to myself... I really don't want to pay money. I think I could do that on my own if I give it about 15 years and sit on myself and eat potato chips. How many of you, let me ask you, how many of you would go to a financial planner who was dead broke and full of debt? None of you would. You think that's crazy. This is why it's so important for us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ to take on this full potency to become the people that God has called us to be because then when we move into the realm where we are actually trying to influence, show mercy, snatching them out of the flames, it becomes a reality to them because they see something different. I mean, truthfully, what kind of Christianity are we really trying to influence people with? 
If people follow you into a world of Christianity, where are they following you to? Are they following you into a world where they can understand how their life will be different, their life will be holy? Will they understand now what it does mean to be dependent? Will they understand now what it is to be expectant toward the return of Jesus Christ? I mean, yeah, it's important to be close and to share it, but what are we sharing? So Jude says, you want to make a real difference? You need to be potent in what you are, a follower of Jesus Christ, and you need to be close to the situation so you can have a difference. Now, all that's pretty spiritual, okay? We talked about holiness, we talked about prayer, we talked about the return of Christ, we talked about mercy, we even talked about hell. I mean, truthfully, we could stand up, hold hands, sing a song, and go, go home, and we'd say, yeah, we, 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 we talked about spiritual things, and we feel pretty good about ourselves. So everybody got the notes right? Everybody got everything written down? All right, put that down for a minute, because I just want to talk to you for the few minutes I got left. Because here's the problem. We can hear all this stuff, and I don't think anything I said to you is really eye-opening, Oh, yeah, I need to live a different life. Yeah, got that. I heard that somewhere. I need to pray. Oh, heard that before. Yeah, I've heard about Jesus coming back. Not sure what it means, but I've heard about it. See, the problem that we have is that when we leave here, we have all this stuff in our heads swirling around. We know we should try to influence people. We know we should try to uh, allow people to see what it's like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But a lot of times when we leave this place, Something happens. Something happens where all of this just kind of goes out the window. And this becomes just coming together, sing a few worship songs, let Dave lead us, hear a message, and let's go home, and we'll come back next week and do it again. But Jude was very, very intentional about raising the bar of how important this stuff is. Because you can take this and you can say, yeah, yeah, you know, I've got this person at work who I really care about who, you know, I would love for them to understand more about, about God and about Jesus. But what happens is, is when we run into those people at work who are just jerks. When we get out of here and we are forced to be in a situation with family members who we just think are just the biggest idiots that we have ever encountered encountered. We don't understand how we share the same blood. We want nothing to do with them. We want to turn our backs on them. We run into a situation where friends maybe that we have or we had, where something has happened, the relationship has just broken down, and now all of a sudden all we have for them is contempt. You know, this stuff is good, what Jude talks about. It's good in the right environment. It's good when people are nice to me. It's good when family members are getting along. It's good when the coworker is really a good guy or good lady. But over here, when we're hit with the reality of what this world is like, all of a sudden, all this stuff just doesn't seem to move over and to apply. And so we leave this place and we heard a message, but in reality, the message needs to stay here because it just doesn't fit in my world. It just doesn't fit in a world where people don't get along, where people are jerks, they're idiots, they're morons, they shouldn't be allowed to have a driver's license. I mean, we live in this world, and what happens is, is we don't take what Jude says, we don't take the idea of being merciful, 
We don't take the idea of snatching them out of that flame into a world where the people need it the most. It's almost like Christianity has lulled us into this place where we're really content with what we got. We don't want really anybody messing it up. You know, we're fortunate in that God has saved us by his grace. Just keep the rest of the people out of it so we can enjoy it. About a year ago, I had, uh, I had, I had the privilege of being given the opportunity to lead, lead missions here at Harborside. I've been at Harborside since 2001, and up to, up to last year, I really hadn't done much in, in missions because it just, it just never crossed my path with, uh, with what, I, what I was involved in. So this past year, it's afforded me to kind of get out and, and visit a few places. So back in, uh, back in August, uh, me and a couple guys went down to, uh, went down to Cuba, and uh, it was, the, the idea was to meet with our missionary friend down there and just talk about the the, the growth that we could see, the, the possibilities that we could engage in with Harborside, you know, into the next coming years. And uh, I would say for me personally, that was probably the, the most eye-opening experience that, that I've had. As, first of all, an American. Um, to go down and just almost feel as though you're being enveloped by oppression, by a communistic oppression where there's just a sense of, of where there are overtones of always wondering who is, who's out there, who is watching you. In fact, we had conversations with the guy down there and he's talking about, you know, I, I have this leadership team, but I just don't know. I just don't know if I can trust all of them on, on my team. He said, when we, when we meet together, there's just a constant state of paranoia. Paranoia from the sense where you never know if the government's going to come in and shut you down, if something else is going to happen, because you just never know. The paranoia is just at a high level. He says churches come down there and they, they want to, me to have a five-year plan. He says, I'm lucky if I know what I can get through the next day. It was just so eye-opening because not only is there poverty down there, not only is there such uh, people just trying to scrape together uh, a, a basic living, but even beyond there, there's this, this envelope, this just overtones of where there's an oppression for the sake of being a follower of Jesus Christ. So when I came back, you know, I, I didn't kiss the ground, so I didn't do that. But I come back, I come back to Tampa. The first place I went to su- was the subway. I just had a craving for subway. You go down there, there's just nothing like that. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing like that. And I start thinking, I'm like, my major feeling that I felt when I left there was just a sense of sadness. It was a sense of sadness. And it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much driven by poverty. It was just driven by the fact that here is a country 90 miles away from the United States of America, but it is a world apart, both physically and both spiritually. And I start, when I come back, I start to look at things differently. I start to appreciate what I have here. I start to appreciate physical things like Subway. I start to appreciate the fact that we can come here and worship very freely. I've talked to a few of the guys I went with, and also Paul Melton, who's been down a couple times before. And we talk about it. We just kind of jokingly said, anybody who's a complainer around here, I'm talking chronic complainer, needs to go down to Cuba for a week. 
Come back and then let's see how much you complain about your state of what you are living in. Now take that a little bit further into our lives as Christians. Our lives as Christ followers. There is a world out there that is being oppressed, that is in slavery to something far worse than communism. It is a world that has been overtaken by the great liar. The one who wants to basically take people and just steal their life away from them. And what we get so caught up in so often is the fact that they looked at us different. They said this thing wrong. They did this wrong. They're just, they're just like that. So how do you take the transition of taking the message of Jesus Christ that Jude is trying to get us and put it into a place where we just don't feel it? Well, really, the only thing I have to offer you is for you to begin to look at people and start to strip away that facade of what the oppression of sin and what the, what the darkening shadows of what Satan has done and allow, allow yourself to see a person the way that Christ saw you. You see, we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to push people off. We're so quick to wipe them off and erase them off the list. But meanwhile, I think to myself when I'm talking about Cuba, you know, what, why, why me? Why was I born in Middletown, Ohio, good Midwestern place, grew up in a, split, in a place where I understood freedom, where I expected freedom, where Christianity came to me so freely, versus growing up in Cuba where there is no freedom, where I could understand how to get, a, get by without having any of this, this, this freedom to live in oppression. What's the difference between that? Well, friends, what's the difference between us who have accepted the message of Jesus Christ, who claim to accept all of his riches, to claim to accept all of the eternal life that he affords us? What is the difference between us and the person who needs to hear about the message of Jesus? We often forget that we were the ones who needed the mercy. We often forget that we were the ones who needed to be snatched out of the flames. It's so easy for us to get lulled into this comfort of Christianity where we just love it. And yet Jude is saying, do you want the transmission of salvation to continue through the remainder of, of time on this earth? then we have got to start taking this stuff seriously. This is not just about what we get out of Christianity. It's not just about how we can come together and we can celebrate and we can come together and worship, although that's part of it. It's about taking this message into a messy world that desperately needs to hear about it. I mean, if Jesus had this concept where he just wanted nice, neat, clean, all of us would be doomed Easter crucifixion is nothing neat. There's nothing that is nice and neat about it. The beauty is what comes out of it. 
not what happened at that point. It was nothing like that. So here we are, 2012, heading into the Christmas season. I'm going I'm to ask you over the next couple weeks, you're going to have some opportunities here at Harborside. Obviously, Christmas Eve is a huge opportunity to come alongside somebody and just invite them you know, to, to, to hang with you and just to, just to experience it. But I want to encourage you over the next couple weeks to really start to, to gear into this idea of looking at people the way Christ looked at them. We're going to take up our, our offering in just, in just a few minutes. And, and we, have a, we have a flap on the, uh, on, the, um, on the bulletin there. And there's no space for this. So this is kind of just the way it goes. But maybe God is bringing to mind to you people in your life right now. If you want to just take a spot and just write it anywhere, it doesn't matter. Well, we can come alongside and pray with you that God will prepare the hearts, their minds for really being open to the message of Jesus Christ. We'll pray over this stuff. We'll do what Jude says. We'll pray that God will intervene, that God will quicken these hearts to be ready to understand the message. But maybe a prayer for you, more important, more importantly than that. Maybe the prayer for you is to pray, you know, God, would you just please, please allow me to see people, to begin to look through the lens of the way that you see people, to not get caught up in in all of the stupid stuff that gets in the way, to not go down that road where I'm constantly judging people and I look for ways to, to remove them from my life. I mean, I know you've got situations that I don't understand. I know there's probably situations where you need to remove yourself. I understand. I understand that. But I'm talking just real day in and day out life. Do we see people? Do we see people the way that Christ saw us? Do we look at them and realize that these are people who need to understand? They need to understand what it means to be rightly reconciled with God. And maybe this Christmas season where we, we, we approach the, the coming of a Savior, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, just maybe this is the day. This is the day. This is the season where that potency of who we are as a follower of Jesus Christ begins to make differences in the world around us. Maybe we start to see the miracle of people who we never thought, we never thought would be followers of Jesus Christ all of a sudden realize, you know, I am nothing without him. This song the band's going to do is just going to talk about this idea of mercy, about who we are and about who people are and who all of us are together. People who are in need of a savior. So would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we, as we take up this, this offering and, and maybe there's some people who maybe wrote some names down on the, on the flap or I, I just ask that we will, 
we will go forth from this place where our own perspectives, our own um, just way of looking at this world will be totally removed. Everything will be stripped away until we see people in a light where you see them. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no mistaking the fact that if you did not care, love us, and die for us, even when we are unlovable, there would be no hope for us. And we know that's where a lot of these people are. And you've called us to be the church. You've called us to be men and women who reach out, who make a difference in the lives, just not so they can have better things in this life, not just so they can get out of debt, not just so that they can uh, find some, some temporary peace, but, but so that they can be followers. They can fall in love with you. They can experience what a true relationship with you is. We've got a great church here, a great people who have a great heart for, for others. May we just come together and really make a difference during this Christmas season. We ask this in your son's name.